This podcast contains discussion about adult topics. Use your judgment if there are little ears around. Welcome to Doing It. This is a podcast made by the Family Planning Victoria schools and community team. My name is Anne. I'm part of the team which goes out to schools and runs classes for all year levels on bodies, growing up, puberty, sex, reproduction and relationships. This podcast is for parents and carers of school-aged children so we can share what goes on in a relationships and sexuality education class and help support these sorts of conversations at home. Today I'll be speaking with Cardi, who's part of the school and community team at Family Planning Victoria. Cardi does a lot of work with young people with cognitive disability, their families and their carers. She teaches about all the same things that have been mentioned in the last few episodes about puberty. Uh, with the added layer of complexity that those working with non-neurotypical young people have. I'm going to ask Cardi some advice about supporting young people with cognitive disability through puberty. When we talk about bodies and puberty, we are likely to be talking about what is typical for male and female bodies. It's important to say at the start that bodies can be different to this, so the information may not be applicable to all. So Cardi, thank you for talking to me. No problem. So my first question, we've done a few episodes on puberty and how that might happen on someone's body and a few of the different changes. Uh, you work with people with cognitive disability. Yeah. So how might puberty be different on their bodies? Uh, in terms of the changes that happen, the hormones, the physical changes, it's all the same. Um, it's the ability to understand what's happening that differs when we're talking about people with cognitive disability. If they're not prepared really, really well, it can be quite a challenging and frightening experience for them when those changes start to occur because mm. they're not as prepared to deal with change as their peers, their neurotypical peers. Um, so it, it can be really confronting. And we talk about that anyway in, in a class, in a, any sort of class, that change is scary. And if you don't know what the changes are, it's even scarier. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we think when we think about something like menstruation and, and most little children associate blood with something really bad and something mm. horrible is happening mm. to them. And if you don't understand where that's coming from and why... We meet a lot of young girls who think they're dying mm. because they just don't have the foundation knowledge of why that's important for their bodies to do that. Mm. You've mentioned to me before that sometimes parents and carers are a little bit reluctant to start these sort of conversations with their young person. Why is that? I think a lot of parents that I've spoken to, they just feel really overwhelmed by the idea of doing this, even if they've done it and provided that information to other children in the past. Mm, with siblings or... Yeah, 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 so older siblings. They find that they, they're kind of stumped on where to start and mm. what information to give and how to simplify those concepts mm. because they've talked about them before. But the children before have been able to just take it on board and um, understand what they're saying. Mm. They're worried that that their kids are going to be more at risk mm. if they have more information and that they're going to be um, concerned about what's going on. But we actually know that the more information they have, the safer they're going to be mm. and the more prepared for what's going to happen. When you say safe, what do you mean? It's about their, teaching them their protective behaviours. So if they know what their body does, how it works 
why things are supposed to happen, what's okay and what's not okay, then they have the the language potentially to say no if mm. it's something that they don't want to happen. And if it's something that is outside of their control and they can't um, stop something happening, at least they have the language, symbols or skills to tell someone mm. what happened yep. and get some support around yep. feeling unsafe. Yep. Yeah, really important. And when you were saying explaining the changes in a way young people can understand and maybe having done it before, all kids get little bits of information and then they join the dots in a really weird way that's not always an accurate way. So to simplify it for children anyway, I think it's a really good idea. Yeah, most neurotypical kids though will get information from school and Mm. parents and lots of different sources and then talk about it with their friends and work out what they think is true or Mm. not true or what's happened to you, is that going to happen to me? And they they talk about that kind of stuff. Kids with cognitive disability don't always talk about that stuff with their peers. Not getting those multiple sources and checking in, yeah. Exactly. So they rely really heavily on Mm. the information that their parents and carers give them and the information that they get from school to be accurate Mm. and to be factual so that they know what's going to happen because they don't have those other sources to draw from. At what age should those sort of conversations start? Well, ideally, they should be starting from the time they're babies. You know, you start Mm. with correct terminology of body parts, talking about which body parts are private and which are public. And it doesn't have to be done in a formal way. It's just done while you're taking them to the toilet, toilet Mm. training, nappy changing. You're just having those terms as as you go. So they become part of the the vocabulary Mm. and the conversation that you have with your kids. So when you start building on those things, like not letting anyone touch your private parts, the kids already know what the private parts are so yep. you're not teaching a really huge amount of information in one go you're building slowly with that mm. with those information so it's really important that that you do it as soon as possible and you just keep building and building and building mm. and that sounds like it requires lots of extra discussion around what's public and private if someone is getting lots of help with their body yeah those lines could might be seem blurred or yeah. might not seem and, and that clear. Can, that can be one of the harder parts for someone who does require a lot of assistance with personal care uh, toileting bathing changing but it's really important that even though that person does require assistance for daily needs that they're part of the process of mm. that that it's not being done to them that it's Mm. being done with them and that they're engaged you can't ask a child you know Mm. do you want me to wipe your bottom Mm. if they're dirty because it needs to happen but Mm. they need to know before anyone touches their body what's going to happen so that Mm. they feel that they have a sense of their bodily autonomy that Mm. they own their body and they're responsible for and I know with puberty often that's a time for a lot of kids where privacy is extra important yeah is that the case for yeah children might not be articulating might not be saying to you oh I want to be private yeah but it is it's sort of a developmental stage Mm. that a lot of adolescents go through and if children have a cognitive disability they might not start to express that stage until much later when they're potentially in their 20s or even 30s 
But it's important that as a parent that you support those those stages as they come up, as you mm. would with any other child. So, you know, there might be safety concerns around being able to shut your child in their bedroom because of seizures, something like that. So providing as close as possible to those opportunities is really important. Shut the door in, but don't shut it closed is is a good way of doing that and Mm. making sure you're knocking so that you can still hear, but you Mm. know that your child is having those experiences. And feeling independent. Absolutely. Privacy is quite a subjective thing. If you haven't experienced it, you don't really know what it means and you can talk about it the cows come home but until you actually feel what it means to have private time it doesn't actually register as something you should be wanting so it's important that your parents do support their child to have some private time is it a good idea to get all the people if there are a lot of people involved in that child's life like nurses and carers and drivers and all those people should they all be part of that conversation about puberty and changing? And I think it's important that everyone's on the same page. They don't necessarily need to all be involved in the conversations. I think the conversations or the decisions need to be made by parents on yeah. what's best for their children. But all of those people need to be following the same rules and the same language and the Mm. same scripts so that the child gets consistency across all areas of their life and all the people who support them know what's going to be best for the learning of the child and that they're all on board but they don't need to necessarily be involved in the decision making about that. So in special schools, I know educators go into classrooms and talk a lot about public and private. So how would you explain that to a young person? Yeah, that's something we get asked to do a lot. Every Everything we do related to puberty and relationships tends to have an element of public and private to it. And that's more due to young people with cognitive disabilities needing to to understand their social rules and cues a lot more clearly Mm -hmm. than their neurotypical peers sometimes they really need it spelt out what is okay and what is not okay so in regards to their body in regards to their body and behavior and and what's okay where and how and with whom sometimes that needs to be really really clearly spelled out and not left to the person to kind of make those calls. When we talk about public and private, we tend to talk about public as places where people can see you Mm. and private are places where people can't see you. So the best private place is your bedroom with the door closed and the curtains closed. We do talk about the bedroom as being a public space if the door is open. Right. Because young people sometimes think if I go to my bedroom, I'm being private, but it's more about the door that makes it a public or a private space. And what do you do if you're in share a bedroom with your sibling? Mm. How do you have private space? And and negotiate private time? Like if you've got a parent or a carer that's coming in and checking on you all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that can be be really difficult if you A, share a space with a sibling or B, have a parent or carer who's checking Mm. on you very regularly so that that can be a hard thing too because parents want to make sure that their children are safe and if Mm. issues around um, them being on their own that can be Mm. a concern but 
I advise to try and just give them just a little bit of time, you know. Yeah. And private time doesn't have to be for anything sexual. And yeah. learning to understand mm. that experience of private time is important. Mm. So it mm. might be watching a DVD by yourself five minutes. It might be being able to read a book, being able to lay on your bed without any... Um, any continence aids on mm. so your body feels a bit more free mm. and that can happen you know before or after a bath mm. it can um, it can happen whenever there's time available oh it's a lot to negotiate yeah, yeah and that's why it can be quite confronting for a lot of parents is there's so many factors to think mm. about with a child who has a disability or complex care need that this is another layer to add on to it as well to an already yeah. busy schedule yeah that's right and things that we would be raising in class is things like well, that need for privacy and independence, but also maybe masturbation and that might be linked to puberty and getting to know your own body and things like that. Yeah. So that's a really tough thing to communicate to a grown-up. I need private time for this, I imagine. Yes, yes. That's why That's why starting regular private time is really important. Yeah. So when they get to that stage where they want to be able to explore their bodies, they already know that there's some time set aside where they can be by themselves and there's some time set aside that they can do whatever it is they want to do and it's not as highly monitored as, it, mm. as their other time could be because of their care needs. Yep. And it wouldn't be unusual, just like it's not unusual for any other child to be interested in in exploring their body like that. Yeah. Yeah. What sort of things might a young person want to communicate as their body goes through puberty? The same things as their neurotypical peers. Um, They want to learn about relationships. They want to know what's going to happen and what's coming next. But when we're talking about children with cognitive disabilities, particularly uh, if they're nonverbal, their communication style might be through behaviour. So they might need extra support to communicate if their period's starting, um, mm. if they're experiencing any pain related to their period, menstrual periods. They might want to communicate that they're having an erection and mm. what can they do about that. Managing strategies for making it go away or mm. having some private time. And they're things that up until that point they wouldn't necessarily have words for just like any child doesn't really have the language to explain it until you say what the words are (laughs) absolutely mood changing moods and feelings Mm. including sexual ones they might not Mm. know how to express that Mm. when they they have a sudden hormonal mood shift from Mm. happy to sad or in between Mm. and understanding that that can change a lot through the day and how Mm. do they communicate that with the people that are supporting them either at school or at mm. home yeah and that must get tricky as it does come time to talk about relationships those rules around who a relationship can be with mm-hmm. and who it can't yeah absolutely yeah. unpacking relationships is is really important so mm. and it leads back to to the protective behaviors you know mm. making sure that you're doing the right things mm. um but understanding uh, who it's okay to have a relationship with, when and where it's okay mm. to display those behaviours. That's why doing all that public and private stuff mm. really early builds the foundation to yep. start talking about when you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if you want to kiss them, mm. well, it's private. So yep. where do you go to do that? Yep. All of that stuff's already in place. Yeah. 
Um, what extra things might parents and carers need to be aware of if they're heading through this journey with their young person? I think it's really important to think, particularly if you're working, if you have children who are non-verbal, that a lot of their communication happens through behaviour. So during that time when they're likely to be starting puberty and getting the changes, just make sure you view behaviour really critically. Sometimes young people can have um, outbursts of aggression or mm. that excessive might be crying. To, to hormones. Yeah, yeah, that might be linked to hormones that are out of character. So yeah. think about behaviour that's that's out of character that that child hasn't ever displayed consistently or erratically before because that could be a sign that they're actually starting puberty and Mm. the hormones have changed even if the body hasn't so it's important also that we think about making sure that we give young people age-appropriate conversations so we want all 12 year olds to know about puberty because by 12 they're Mm, probably well into it yeah we want all you know 13 14 15 year olds to know about relationships because they're going to be hitting those milestones as they pass through that that age group so it's about making sure that we give all age groups the same information Mm. we just need to make sure that we give people who have cognitive disabilities that information in a way that's appropriate to them Mm. so it might be simplifying Mm. the informational concepts it might be providing a lot more pictures um, to support the learning so we want it to be age appropriate in terms of their numerical age but we also want it to be developmentally appropriate so it Mm. meets their cognitive development and that must be really tough if you're communicating all the time in a way for your child that seems much younger than they their age yeah but they still need that information about their bodies because that's where their bodies are yeah exactly yeah Yeah. and that can be really confronting and confusing for a lot of parents to to navigate Thank you so much, Cardi, for talking to me. That was no really interesting and, you know, obviously lots of parallels in talking to young people, no matter who they are and what they're up to. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. So thanks, Cardi, for talking to me. Um, just some summary points from our discussion. Puberty is unlikely to happen any differently for a person with a cognitive disability, although their understanding of the change may be different to their neurotypical peers. It's a good idea to start talking about the changes of puberty before they start happening. Some young people might find it helpful to have symbols or signs to help communicate what is happening to them emotionally or physically. Make sure you provide age-appropriate information regardless of their cognitive ability. Some resources that might be helpful for people wanting more information or things to add to their conversation. Amaze.org.au has really great information for young people with cognitive disability. We've partnered with Amaze to provide resources explaining menstruation with a social script and illustrations. Uh, that's available on their website. Better Health has information about puberty and young people with cognitive disability. Speak Up and Be Safe is a website with downloadable communication aids specifically about body safety. There's a couple of books designed for young people. Special Secret Boys Business and Special Secret Girls Business explain puberty in a really simple way with lots of great pictures. I'll link all those resources in the podcast notes. 
Thank you so much for listening. For more information about Family Planning Victoria, including information about talking to children with cognitive disability, you can go to our website. We also have an easy English fact sheet on the website. Go to fpv.org.au. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.